I mean, Larry, I won't say they're playing our song, but they're playing a song, which means it's time to wake up with Damon and Larry. Welcome, welcome. Good morning, Mr. Kruger. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Damon. Happy Friday. Getting ready for the Cardinals. God knows we got a lot to talk about. If there were ever a week of this is a business trip, right? I mean, I, I know it's not a trip. They're not playing the Cardinals in Arizona. It's at Levi's Stadium. If there were ever a just handle your business, take care of what you need to take care of and take care of the ball, this game should take care of itself. I'm not trying to be disrespectful of the Arizona Cardinals, but for the first time in what feels like a long time, the Niners actually get a take-a-breath opponent here, Larry. I mean, not that there's any easy game. And I mean, I, I have staked the reputation of my entire channel on nothing in the NFL is easy. And anyone who tries to tell you anything should be easy is wrong. But some games are easier than others. And this Arizona game, Larry, is the easiest game that the Niners have had on their schedule since the bye week. Well, and that's <clears throat> that can be a trap, right? Because Kyler Murray is difficult to defend. James Conner still a good runner. Rondale Moore can still take it to the house. Um Hollywood Brown, if he plays, is still, you know, got tons of speed and they're an NFL team and they can all that all it really takes is a couple turnovers and it's the all time equalizer. So, you know, for the 40 and then we don't know how many 49ers are going to wind up playing in this game. There were a bunch of Niners that missed practice this week. Are you a handful of defenders sitting this one out. Right. So maybe no, no Eric, Ar definitely no Eric Armstead. Um, is Mooney Ward going to go? We don't know. Is Dre Greenlaw going to go? He says he is. Um, is Javon Hargrave going to go? I mean, there's just lots of questions for the 49ers. Oren Burks will not be playing. And we're just getting to a part of the schedule where the 49ers are going to try to find a way to win some games down the stretch with the back end of their roster uh, making contributions. So what does that mean? That means uh, you may see more Ronnie Bell. And you may see more of the backup offensive lineman. Aaron Banks uh, has got a hip injury. Are you going to see a backup, two backup guards? Spencer Burford's not 100%. Um, if Armstead and Hargrave can't go, who are your starters inside? Kevin Givens and Javon Kinlaw, possibly. If Burks can't go, does that mean it's, you know, what does D. Winters look like? If Mooney can't go, um, do we see Ryan, uh, Logan Ryan or Darrell Luter or Isaiah is, Oliver? So is, there's a lot of D questions winner, here. D winners for a guy who hasn't played very much is still a little banged up or has been in the last few weeks. Hasn't he winters I mean the rookie from uh, TCU. Yeah. Um, uh, he's going to play. No, I talked okay. to him on Wednesday. Um, you know, and with Burks Burks is the guy who's, who's out and, um, he'll be out for a couple of weeks. So D winters and Jalen Graham will both be active and, Bring it on, because I think they're both ready to play. I really do. Well, look, the smart animal in the forest avoids the traps, and we both think that the 49ers are a pretty smart animal walking around these NFL fields, and I think that they avoid this trap. I think they got the right coach. I think they got the right locker room. They got the right leaders, and their mindset is on something that's much bigger than the Arizona Cardinals. And in order to really – Get your arms around your grandest of goals. Having a one seed would be the easiest way to do it. And if you want one of those, you got to beat the Arizona Cardinals. So that makes this game important, whether it feels like it or not. And I'll tell you this too, Larry, they might be a three and 10 football team. And they are. They had a win against Dallas, a hard to explain looking back at it, win against Dallas all the way back at the beginning of the season. But they have won two of their last four. 
after a dismal one and eight start. So uh, the peaking Arizona Cardinals is probably an exaggeration, you know, and, and the Niners have more than handled their business against this team. Now, remember, that was the Josh Dobbs era when the Niners got four touchdowns out of Christian McCaffrey in one game for a 35-16 win uh, back over Arizona. So, look, again, everything about this qualifies as a trap. The Niners are smart enough to avoid it. That's about coaching. That's about culture. That's about team goals. But they are playing a little bit better. They really are. The Cardinals aren't just, you know, total dreck. And it feels like at times, Larry, they were built to be. I mean, well, they, and they're coming off their bye, Damon. So, yeah. I mean, and we mentioned that to George Kittle yesterday. And he's like, oh, man, that's a rough bye. So they had a week 14 bye. Um, you know, so the Cardinals, I mean, that's a, that's a late in the year buy for a team, but they also are coming off of a win at Heinz field over the Steelers where they blew the Steelers out. I mean, 24, 10. Now it was Trubisky after Pickett went out, um, and Kyler only threw for 145 yards, but James Connor ran for over a hundred and two touchdowns. And they also have a really good young tight end. Um, in Trey McBride, who had eight catches for 89 yards. They're Larry, a little, their, they're banged up, though, at wide receiver. They Trey, really McBride, are. Trey McBride is their leading receiver in terms of catches and yards from the tight end spot. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, his stepping in. Yeah, he's a really good. And that's, I mean, that's what made Zach Ertz a little bit more expendable, you know, as the Cardinals are looking this. But this is also a team that is very much looking at its roster without today being even in focus. The Cardinals are a tomorrow football team, and they've conducted business as such. Their GM, Monty Ossenfort, has basically, I mean, he designed this year to be a punt year to the point where whether or not Kyler Murray was even going to resume quarterbacking in what is a walk year for him. They don't really know about, you know, if they want to extend him coming off of the knee injury. There's questions about his work ethic and whether they really envision him now to be the right guy to lead them forward. So, you know, when they let Colt McCoy go in favor of Josh Dobbs, it felt like, geez, you know, they really punted on this year. Then Josh Dobbs starts playing well enough to beat the Dallas Cowboys anyways. And then Josh Dobbs gets traded and they are back to, to Kyler Murray after all, but you know, they, they went ahead and they got they, they traded Isaiah Simmons. They released DeAndre Hopkins. They released center Rodney Hudson. They released outside linebacker Marcus Golden. And it's a team full of NFL placeholders. I mean, that's what that's what the Cardinals really are. These are guys who are on the edge of their careers, who are good enough to start an NFL game, but might not be good enough to get into a long-term contract with. So it's it's a 14-point spread. I don't even know if that's grown, Larry. Last time I looked at it, it was two touchdowns. And it probably should be. I mean, it really should be with, like you said, James Conner and Kyler Murray being two legitimate headaches. There's a lot of aspirin around that field for the rest of the Niners, whether they have their full go complement of starters or they're in their depth chart a little bit. Again, this is a, it's the biggest just go get it done game of the year for the 49ers. Just just go get no excuses here. No excuses. I would recommend everybody just lay off this one from a gambling standpoint, maybe even Larry, because you just it's just about winning the game. I don't care if they win by 30 points or one point. You just cannot lose 
to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, you better tease it if you're going to bet it because that's a big number for sure. It just, yeah, I mean, we're we can sit there and try to make this team sound better than they are. At the end of the day, they're third. They're three and ten. They're twenty sixth in the NFL in points per game. They score seventeen a game. They're thirtieth in the NFL in points allowed per game. They give up almost twenty six. You know, they're they're 30th in rushing defense, giving up almost 140 yards per game on the ground. They're 32nd dead last in time of possession average, so they don't possess the football. But they're an NFL team. And, and um, you know, anybody can beat anybody on any given day. And if you don't bring your game, uh, you can get beat. I mean, it's as simple as that. There's only 10 or, 10 or 12 possessions in an NFL game. If you turn it over a couple times, um, you know, the one thing that Gannon has proven is that he's aggressive. He'll go for it on fourth down. They got nothing to lose. They could go onside kick. Uh, they could try to steal a possession. Um, they are banged up at wide receiver. Michael Wilson, the rookie from Stanford and Hollywood Brown are dinged up. Um, uh, but they also have the young tight end from Stanford, Elijah Higgins. He's starting to make a, an impact there. So they go to the two tight end set a little bit. Buda Baker is going to be in this game, so we're going to get a chance to see George Kittle and Buda Baker kind of renew their their rivalry. I asked George about that this week, and he said, man, I got great respect for Buda Baker. He's out there playing really, really hard. But you're right. Once they knew that Kyler wasn't going to be ready at the start of the year, they got lean and mean on the cap and and kind of went bare bones and just said, hey, we'll str- we'll struggle through this first year and see how it goes. And here they are. Dead last in the division, three and ten. And by the way, I, it, it felt a little funny coming out of my mouth there. And someone really in the comments jumped right on me and said, "Damon Kyler's got that contract," and he does. It's a ridiculous contract when you look at it. I'm, I just opened uh, Sportico here. Kyler, he's got a five-year, two hundred and thirty million dollar contract, and yeah, he's it, not it, going anywhere. That he's there going forward. Um, I don't, you know, and and um, he's there through and at they, least twenty twenty eight. Right. Dobbs, Dobbs was just a, a little stopgap, but I think initially the way Dobbs played, I think they thought, well, wait a second, maybe we could go with Dobbs and find a taker for Kyler. But, um, you know, nobody's going to take on that contract right now. So they're, they're kind of stuck with Kyler or they're stuck with each other. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, uh, you know, this is a, this is going to be an interesting game. I think from the standpoint of the 49ers are probably going to come out with a run heavy game plan. So, um, you know, and that would be my guess. I mean, just cause you'll get the Cardinals, they're mid pack as far as pass D, um, but they're, you know, bottom of the league as far as run D. And then you'll get the Niners rushing offense. The Niners are third in the NFL in rushing offense. They get, they, they, they're running for 140 yards a game. So I would say this game is going to be a game where Kyle Shanahan's going to try to shorten the game, run the heck out of the ball, uh, you know, 35 to 40 runs. And, you know, the Niners are going to run for 150 and they're going to win a game and it's probably going to be closer than people think. You know, it's really I don't think it's ever happened in the NFL and the Niners don't get a shot at it. But have you heard of the bird gauntlet, Larry? Yes, I the have. bird gauntlet. Cardinals, Seahawks, Ravens, Eagles, and Falcons. Now, you need to get kissed <laughs> on the forehead from the scheduling gods just to get all the birds on your schedule in the first place. You know, it's so it's rare. It's not quite Haley's Comet rare, but it's rare that the, the universe coughs up a bird gauntlet on any one person's schedule. And obviously, 
all the teams that are the birds are disqualified from running the bird gauntlet because you you cannot beat yourself. You know, they don't keep score in inter-squad scrimmages. So um, it, it, the, the, the 49ers can put four of the five legs together here because they've beaten the Cardinals. So that's already happened. They've beaten the Seahawks. That's already happened. You'd like to obviously sweep both of these teams. They've already swept the Seahawks. They got a chance to sweep the Cardinals. They've beaten the Ravens. Or excuse me, they've beaten the Eagles, and they've got the Ravens coming up on Christmas. No Falcons on the schedule, so it's not a full bird gauntlet. But this has really been a tough stretch of games that the Niners have met by playing some of their best football of the entire year. And that goes directly right back to Brock Purdy, who is in you know all sorts of conversations and TV shows again as people try so hard to explain what isn't happening here when clearly what is happening here is an extraordinary story and a hell of a player putting up amazing statistics that people still, for the first time, just want to deny. Like, statistics for anybody else in football are used to buoy arguments about how good they are. Not that case for Brock in a lot of instances, where they'll tell you, well, like, yeah, he might have thrown three touchdowns, but, you know, that that corner blew that coverage right there. So that, Brock doesn't really get credit for that one. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, like, the guy's 15 and three. Yeah. Yeah. 15 yeah. and three. Yeah. All non, uh, all non Garoppolo quarterbacks under Shanahan <clears throat> when Brock took the field against Miami last year were nine and 29, and he's 15 and three. So it just kind of goes to show that he's, he's his own man. He's, you know, he's improved dramatically. Uh, last year, he completed 67%. This year, he's completing 70%. Um, you know, I mean, it's last year he had 13 touchdowns and four picks this year. So thus far, he's got 25 touchdowns and only seven interceptions. His interception percentage has gone down. So his yards per attempt have gone up. You know, he's last year was 8.1 this year. It's 9.9. I heard an interview yesterday, um, where Shanahan went on the radio and was talking about how. You know, Brock Purdy is kind of the opposite of the checkdown guy. He his natural inclination is to uh, throw it down the field. And Shanahan was asked about it. And he's like, "Well, if a guy decides he's going to throw it down the field on Wednesday, that's kind of a problem." But, um, <laughs> but other than that, you know, other than that, he likes quarterbacks that will attack down the field and that are would rather you know be aggressive. You know, Brock Purdy's not he's getting painted by several people as this guy who's simply a product of all these weapons and that he just checks it down and gets it out of his hand quick. And he's not really taking any real shots down the field and nothing could be further from the truth. Um, he, he's playing incredible while driving the football down the field more than any other quarterback in the league. And his quarterback rating last year was 107. This year it's 116.9. There was an awful there was an awful lot of people who were awfully loud this summer saying in this spring, saying, well, he's not going to get any better, which was probably the dumbest take of all time because he was a 23-year-old quarterback who cares a lot about getting better. Uh, and the odds that he would get better were pretty good as long as he wasn't physically diminished. And I kept making that point. I go, well, he may regress if he's physically diminished from this elbow injury, and we won't know for sure for a few weeks. Right. Professional athlete progress is rarely linear. And, and, you know, there's there's peaks and valleys in getting better. 
Right. And if he w- and and we didn't know, right? Cuz it was a major surgery. He had his elbow ripped almost apart uh by Hassan Reddick. And maybe he was going to come back and lose, I don't know, 20 to 25% of his arm strength. And in that case, maybe he didn't have 20 to 25% of his arm strength to lose. And maybe that would have changed the dynamic. But listening to Brock talk about the injury, he talked about it a little bit yesterday, how he called Nick Mullins and Mullins had the same surgery and kind of talked him through it. And listening to Brock kind of talking kind of out loud about how he evaluates the way his arm has felt and progressed. Sounds like Damon that he's gotten greater arm strength as the season has progressed, and that he feels that. And I think we've kind of seen the results of that. So he, so needless to say, the surgery did not give him any kind of meaningful um, skill regression. And then when you take away, okay, he hasn't regressed physically; he's not diminished. Well, I mean, come on. Then we're talking about a 23-year-old quarterback going from his first year to his second year, and every football person will tell you the biggest improvement any football player is going to make is from year one to year two. It's kind of like auditing a class and then taking it a second time for real. You know, you 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 know a lot more about about the about the subject matter, and you're probably going to do a whole lot better if you audit the class for a semester before you actually take it right and even if you don't have all the answers you're at least you're, you're starting to figure out what the questions are going to be right you start to see the patterns you start to see your and not to, not to mention the other major major factor and i'm not saying telling you anything you don't know but for those who may may not know it's it's the you know brock purdy more than almost any other quarterback that i've seen is throwing confidently to spots and he's throwing to those spots before his receivers are getting out of the break. So there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of field reps that have to go into understanding where exactly that spot is for Debo, yeah. where that spot is for Juwan, where that spot is for Ayuk, and how exact and precise are they? To listen to um, JT O'Sullivan, I think, does great breakdowns. He calls it surgical precision in the mid-range. And Damon, they throw that 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 slant or the in cutter to Ayuk at eleven yards, not ten, not twelve. And last week, when when uh, you saw him have a pick, if you watched it on the binoculars or if you watched the all twenty two, Ayuk held up by just a little bit. Brock put it on the spot that he normally does. Ayuk wasn't quite there because he had held up on the route, and it went off his fingertips and into the arms of the Seattle defenders. So. Being on the same page when you're operating with that level of precision um, has its benefits. It's hard to stop when you're in lockstep. But if you get out of that, you know, suddenly you round off your route, you stop your route a little bit early. Brock's throwing it to a spot before you even break. So it's hard to defend, but it also is predicated on repetitions and knowing your receivers. Well, it's it's all anticipation. It's all trusting your teammate. And, you know, if we just look at it from Brock's standpoint, that's a hard pass to throw, right? I mean, it's hard to let go of a ball when you know that the target hasn't even turned around and and looked over his shoulder for it yet. The amount of trust that it takes to really put a well-coordinated offense together is it's massive. And I think that that's a big problem. With football, I know that there it feels like this is the week and there's always one week every year where uh, offensive line play around the league 
really comes under a microscope. And you've got a lot of former offensive linemen talking about how the the dialing back of practice reps and real live practice reps and contact in practice has done more to hurt the offensive line than anything, than, than any group of players or unskilled players that have been drafted or anything like that. And, uh, you know, it's funny. It's it's amazing how often I keep come, coming back to things that Steve Young said. Yeah. Um, pretty, sharp, Young has, pretty sharp guy. Yeah, yeah. And, and Steve Young has always said, you know, part of the 90s magic that the 49ers had wasn't just, hey, we're all really good at this. It's that we've all been doing this together for a long time. When you get to dance with the same dance team, you know everybody's footwork. You know everybody's footsteps. You know how everybody turns and pirouettes and does their big flourish. Like how whatever a dance team needs to do to be a coordinated dance team, the longer you work together, the better you all get. And it's like that in sports, and that's one of the biggest missing ingredients from sports these days, continuity, Larry continuity and for Brock to have so little continuity when you really think about it he's only been around for you know the for about a calendar year has he been this team starting quarterback so that's not a lot of time for continuity plus he had the abridged offseason due to the elbow surgery so it's not like he was out there you know on a practice field somewhere in Santa Clara just throwing balls to Ayuk and and Debo in the offseason it wasn't like that and for him to be so in lockstep with Kyle's visions for this offense. Again, what does it look like five years from now? Right. Whoever right. whoever made the argument, he can't get better. I mean, are you telling me five years from now, Brock, is, 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 is Larry, is Brock going to be the first guy to finish a season with an 80% completion rate? I mean, is that where we're going here? Is he going to have an 80% season one time? You know, I mean, it, it, the guy is playing really, really good football. The ball comes out on time with touch, um, great timing. And, you know, he's also be a better athlete than you think. So his off schedule stuff, his movement within the pocket, it's all high level. You know, we talked about it in the post game show after the game, this last game is that Brock has both. He has both quick feet and quiet feet, right? He's quick within the pocket, but then he doesn't have the pitter patter a nervousness of Jimmy Garoppolo where he ne wasn't really anchored. He's got the quiet feet of an Aaron Rodgers, of a Tom Brady, of a of a quarterback that knows exactly where he's going and what he wants to do. But then he's got quick feet to move within the pocket away from these defenders and just create that second platform and release the ball. I thought, to me, one of the best plays I've seen him make was one where I'm watching it on the binoculars and – the, the the right side of the 49er offensive line gave up a little pressure and he sees it, but he doesn't react to it immediately. He still has his eyes down the field. He just moves to his left a little bit, resets his feet, and just throws an absolute dime to Ayuk down the field. Uh, and the Niners went from their own 20 to the other team's 25 or whatever it was, maybe their own 30 to the other team's 25. It was a beautiful throw, and not yeah. only that, was it the forty-six yard gain on the yeah. first down of first down, first play of the drive? How big that play was! Yeah, I mean, and it was an incredible throw, Damon. Not just because of the subtle movement within the pocket, but also because he didn't have. Once he moved, he didn't really have an angle where he could see how much space was between the defender and Ayuk. They were really right on top of each other downfield. 
So he had to loop it over the defender, but not throw it past Ayuk. And if he throws it short, it's probably an easy pick. And he just dropped it in the bucket right to Ayuk. I mean, it's just the accuracy, the movement ability, the um, recognition, just awesome. Just really, really high level stuff. So, um, you know, it's it, the guy's. The guy's playing at a really, really good level right now. It's fun to watch. I mean, it really is. I mean, every time I watch it, I'm like, is this guy for real? I mean, is this guy for real? I mean, it just seems like every single time um, I watch him, I'm thinking, wow, this guy's a lot better than I even thought. I'm going to share the screen on this one because this was a question that I asked him yesterday, Damon, about the dapping up the great Jerry or Jerry dapping him up right before the game. And this is like kind of a cool moment for all old school Niner Jerry, fans. Jerry wearing the gold helmet. Jerry, Jerry, look at this. Look at this necklace Jerry has. And then isn't listen to isn't that Debo's necklace? And Jerry just holds it during the game for him or something. I don't know. It's, it, here it is. Ridiculous. Right before the game, Jerry Rice came by and kind of dapped you up a little bit and had some words. What can you share what Jerry said to you? And how cool is that to the greatest receiver of all time touching base with you before the game? Yeah, it was cool. You know, I sort of just got a pat in the back and um and I looked over and it was Jerry and you know just dapped him up and he just said ball out today. You know, sort of just kept it simple. And uh, but the fact that he, he did that, he came over um as I was warming up, that was pretty cool. You know, obviously he's a he's an idol to many and a legend here as a 49er to be able to play him in the same organization as him is really special. So that was cool. Yeah, so I mean just a cool I, I thought that was a cool moment. I saw that video earlier in the week, Damon. And I'm like, man, I got to ask him about that. It just uh ball out. That's what Jerry came over. So you're getting ready to play uh, the Seahawks. You're on the field and here's all of a sudden you look around and there's the goat, the greatest of all time with a, with a helmet on us on a, on a chain uh, saying, Hey, ball out. I mean, there if he that, is. very there cool. He is. The former Seattle Seahawk himself, Jerry Wright. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I mean, Jerry recognizes, I'm sure, the greatness in Brock. Yeah. Because he's he played with Montana. He played with Young. um, And obviously those guys were incredible. You know, the other thing that I think has to be mentioned is great as Joe was, as great as Steve was. If you ask Joe, were you better in 81 or were you better in, let's say, 89? He'd probably say 89. If you ask Steve Young, were you better when you were younger in your 20s or at the at the early stages of your Niner time when you're 31? Or were you better in in 1994, you know, when you're older? And it's like they would say we were better when we were older. Why? Because it's such a thinking position and you get better as you age if you work at it. And Experience matters. Good. The only yeah. people who would try to diminish experience are those without experience. I mean, experience matters. It really does. I think it's what separates you and I from so many other, you know, content creators or people who cover this team, Larry. It's experience. We've both been covering this team for the better part of 20 years for me, longer even for you. Um, so experience matters. And I'll also say this, having gotten to know Jerry Rice on a semi-personal level to, uh, you know, I've, I've done one-on-one -on -one interviews with him. He has been a guardsman keynote speaker, so we've shared a table together. We spent an evening together. I came and did a, a Q and A when Jerry did his uh, 
his Pele, Jerry Rice, Wayne Gretzky documentary. It was shown at a movie theater. I did a Q&A with him. So I've spent some time with Jerry Rice. And the only thing I can tell you is that when Jerry sees you and smiles and comes up to you and starts talking warmly to you, dude, I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I'm not, I'm not a starstruck guy. But that's Jerry fucking Rice. Oh my God. I mean, I mean, it's it's Jerry. Yeah. And and if you're my if you're if you're a 40-year-old man, you spent your childhood watching Jerry Rice just put the hurt on the NFL. All of it. All of who did he beat? He beat everyone. How often did he beat him? Every time that he played them. Oh, really? He's that good? Yeah. Yeah, he was that good to the point he's the greatest pound for pound football player, any position, all positions put together, greatest football player ever. What's the answer? The answer is Jerry Rice. And when he sees you and smiles and walks over and gives you that double handshake where he shakes your hand and then he he sandwiches the hand with the other hand, and now you're in a really warm handshake with Jerry Rice. It's like standing in the sun. In Jamaica, it's like one of the warmest feelings. You're like, oh, <laughs> asking Jerry Rice. He's that great. Who he is. So I'm he's, glad. Great. he's great with people, too. Is, I, did a, uh, I did an event with Jerry at the United Club uh, at the stadium a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, I had some time to spend with him before. We took some pictures and talked a little bit. And, you know, people are, Jerry, will you sign this? He's so gracious. He signs everything. Everything. And I got to tell him my my Jerry Rice story, which was Christmas Day, 1984. I'm 14 years old. And my Christmas morning, we were a Christmas Eve family, Damon. So we'd open we our too. gifts at night. We were too. So then it's Christmas morning, we would have just a regular, regular morning because we had opened all the gifts the night before. Okay, so we did the uh, we did the family gifts the night before. And then Christmas morning gifts were what Santa brought. OK, That's yeah, we well, did. yeah, exactly that. We kind of did. My mom kind of did the same thing. She went with like your we had stockings, right? We had these yeah. big, thick stockings and they there would be extra gifts in the stockings and around the stockings. Um, but we used to do our tradition was we would go to. Uh, saying Nacious Mass at five o'clock and then go home and have dinner, or we'd go have dinner and open gifts, then we go to midnight mass. So a lot of times early morning, people wanted to sleep in on Christmas. I think my my parents were not like, hey, let's get up at 5 a.m. and start right. ripping things apart. So we did it at night. So I would be the first one up in the morning to play with my new toys. I'm 14 or whatever, so I'm a little bit older than that. And so my tradition at this point was I'm watching the blue gray game. Because I'm, you know me, I'm a big sports fan. I love college football. So I turn on the blue gray game. So I'm laying there on the couch, curled up with whatever I've got and uh, watching the blue gray game. Jerry Rice dominated that morning. It was unbelievable. I don't know that I've ever seen a, a player dominate a game the way that Jerry Rice dominated the 1984 blue gray game. And I told him about it. And I'm like, Jerry, I was 14. You were the only guy that I knew. Fast forward to April. It's the draft. And it was a Monday morning draft, and I'm sitting there eating my my Cheerios. My dad says, hey, the 49ers just drafted, and there was no television of the draft. It was like Frank and Mike on KMBR would report back, okay, the 49ers just picked in the draft, and they right. That was the total coverage. Imagine now what the coverage is. Um, and so my dad goes, yeah, the 49ers just picked. And I yelled down from, from, up from the dining room table, did they get Jerry Rice? And then all of a sudden, my dad, with like shaving cream, comes down and he's like, "How did you know they did get Jerry Rice? <laughs> like, they got Jerry Rice? 
He's like, you know, Jerry Rice. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I saw him on Christmas morning in the blue gray game. He's the freaking greatest. You're kidding me. They got Jerry Rice. I'm like, they got Jerry Rice. And my dad's and like, my dad's like, my kids moment. got, my kids got problems. You know, it's like, you know, at this point, nobody knew anything about the draft and I didn't know anybody, anything other than Jerry Rice. But I, I told him this story. And he's talking to me about that morning of the blue gray game and playing for Archie Cooley at Mississippi Valley state. And this was a huge game for him because this is a college all-star game with guys from big schools, Penn state, Notre Dame, Michigan, they're all there. Right. And so I'm then it's like, it was like this, it was like part of my childhood coming to life, listening to him talk about his experience that morning, getting ready for that game, how important it was to him to make an impact. Just so cool. Just so cool. And, um, you know, Jerry, Jerry's, he's the best. I've heard people say that Randy's the best. Come on. Give me a, give me a break. Uh, it's Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, and Terrell Owens are the top three receivers in the history of the game in that order. And that was the morning that I knew that Jerry had, or, or Larry had the tendencies of a general manager. He could write down names and put them in envelopes at the age of 14. And I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's look, it's a great story. And it's, it, it is amazing when you, you know, when, when, when you, you see a player and you feel like, you know, a player and then a team drafts a player. I mean, this is the way I felt about Trace Jackson Davis. There isn't a college basketball player who I've watched more of in my life than that guy. So for the, him to end up on the Warriors was just fantastic. And if you don't mind me say, uh, you should play him more. He's good. Anyway, that's another show. Uh, someone here in your chat, Larry. Yes. Wild olive tree. Wild olive tree wrote. <laughs> okay. Where is it? Is it at the bottom? No, it's uh, it, it happened at eight fifty four a.m. You don't even really need to pin it, um, but I, I'll just tell it. It's it's a very well placed comment. It said the weapons argument. Going back to why is Brock good at any of this? The weapons argument is legit, but who cares? It's hard to whoop the entire NFL without weapons. A lot of teams have weapons. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. So I, you know, just thinking about this last night, it wasn't another way I can talk about the same subject over and over again. Um, basically, the single last argument that people have against Brock Purdy is essentially this. Well, football team. Thanks. Thanks and all. So your argument is that he's on a football team and the football team around him might be better than him. So he's being I was I was told that it's quarterbacks that make football teams go. But in this one instance, for the first time in the history of NFL punditry, it is the team that is making the quarterback go. I mean, it's it's just how they keep on moving the field goal post for this guy is incredible. And, you know, like I understand when you have. You know, Skip Bayless and my buddy Nick Wright and, you know, and Stephen A. Smith and people who are basically human walking, talking, attention grabbing jackasses for a living. That's what that's what you are when you're hosting one of those shows. You're an attention. You're a professional attention grabbing jackass. And I say that with all due respect. I really do. Um, but it when you hear a guy like Cam Newton join the crowd with his Shriners hat or whatever. He looks like he's, you know, an organ grinder with his latest 
ridiculous couture hat. And I'm going to tell you right now, never trust a man who's that into fashion. Never trust a man who is, never trust a guy with a goofy hat. Okay. And this guy is literally living a lifetime of goofy hats. He was a hell of a player, but I was really surprised to hear him come out in the Brock is lucky to be here conversation this week. Because I've always liked Cam Newton. I always thought that Cam Newton was hard to officiate, sort of disrespected more than he should be. And for a guy who was disrespected, who still was an MVP, you'd think he'd give Brock a little bit more of a wider berth. But no, I guess Cam needed attention this week. What would you think of his comments about Brock? Well, first of all, I did a whole live stream last night where I had to like, I had to like defend the fact that calling somebody a game manager is a rip. I mean, that's, that's not a, that's not, he's not saying that as a, as a, you know, that's a disparaging comment. It's meant to be a disparaging comment. Right. Um, and, and I mean, it's like, couldn't even really get consensus on that. I mean, it's like, come on, man, you call somebody a game manager, you're trying to diminish, um, you know, them, them in some way. I just think that Cam Newton, Cam Newton is, is looking at, Shannon Sharp and some of the ex NFL players that they're making millions of dollars a year now on television. And he wants to be, he wants one of those jobs. He wants to be on TV making millions of dollars a year talking about football. So he said, well, the, let's see. They say outrageous things. I'll say outrageous things. Um, so yeah, he called Purdy a game manager. Um, and basically said it's his job is just to not turn the ball over and not lose the game. Interestingly enough, Newton considers himself a game changer, <laughs> which is ridiculous. Then he doubled down this morning. I don't know if you heard the, the double down, but he doubled down to this morning. And in explaining what's the difference between a game manager um, <laughs> um, and a game changer, he then grouped Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in the game manager category. So, so now Tom Brady's a game manager. Okay, well, look at it this way. And Peyton Manning's a game manager. Then I guess using the Cam Newton version of the definition of game manager, it's the single highest zenith of talent that a, a quarterback can reach. Right. According to his it's definition, because if that's what Brock Purdy and or excuse me, if that's if that's what Peyton Manning and Tom Brady were, then he should have probably spent more time managing games instead of being just a game changer. Well, and then he then he also named it was really apparent where he's where he's going because he's he started naming the the executives at Fox and ESPN who who hire the people on these shows. So he's obviously aiming to be on these shows. He should wear, uh, he should stop wearing goofy hats. No one's going to hire a goofy hat guy. Well, no I mean, and, goofy and hat on your set. the guy won the MVP, but I mean, and then he goes, well, and then people who, you know, who uh, heard what I said immediately go at me. Well, of course, because the assumption is that you're saying that you were a game changer, but these guys are game managers, but was, is, was he a game changer? I mean, he won. He had, I looked at his. I mean, so you're going, of course, if if an actor starts talking about who the greatest actor is, we're going to bring their acting ability into the discussion. If anybody who's done it themselves starts critiquing other people in any kind of a harsh way, 
of course, it becomes right. somewhat of a referendum on their career. The five greatest actors as listed by Al Pacino. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. No, I, I will listen to that. The five greatest actors as listed by Pauly Shore. I'm not clicking on that. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, or, or guess what? We're going to bring up naturally what kind of actor that person was if they're going to rate other actors. If all of a sudden Mick Jagger uh, comes up with his list of the ten, of the of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time, people are going to discuss the Stones in relation to whoever he's got on his list. Just the way it is. Right. So so now Cam's all butt hurt because, you know, it's like, oh, you know, well, the, people are bringing me into it. Well, here's the thing. Maybe this punditry life ain't for you, Cam. Yeah. Maybe you should just open a silly hat store. But I mean, I'm looking at Cam's deal. I, I all I would say is like, if you want to compare like Cam and Purdy, compare them in their in the first two years. Right. Compare what they've done. Um, and, and put it side by side in the first two years. And if you do that, Purdy's numbers are better. He's got a better record, way better record. Uh, Cam was 13 and 29 in his first two years. Brock's 15 and three. Cam completed about 58% of his passes. Purdy's completed 68% of his passes. Cam's got 40 touchdowns. Purdy's got 30, I think, 35, something like that. But Cam had 29 interceptions. And Brock's got like seven. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know, so, I mean, and Brock's got better stats across the board. So in that regard, and that's just Brock. He also had Prescott in there. He's got golf. Golf's gone to a Super Bowl. He had Tua. And he's like, well, if you took those guys away, would their team still be good? And it just, and then he starts talking about Dallas's defense. Dallas's defense is not, Dallas gave up a ton of points to, to Seattle just a couple of weeks ago. I wouldn't necessarily call their defense like, you know, it's, it's hardly the 85 Bears. So it's like you kind of wonder, how much Dallas are you watching? And then when he's talking about Brock and his, like, his yards after, you know, he's talking about all these weapons. Okay, but the, nobody's driving the ball down the field more. So, you know what I mean? It's Is it really all yards after the catch? No, it's like it's like he's he made an, a statement, grouped a, guy, a bunch of guys in there, and didn't really have anything to defend it with. Then you go look at Cam's numbers and you're like, well, wait a second. Cam had one year he was 12 and four. He had the MVP year in 2015 where he went 15 and one. He had one other year where he went 11 and five. Every other year of his career is sub 500. And he went 0 and five in his final year. He's out of the out of football at 32. Um, you know, where Steve Young didn't even start his the the major star part of his career till he was 31. No, so he's got I, a short-lived career. Right. He went 0 and 2 with Carolina in 2019, 0 and 5 with Carolina in 2021. Uh, you know, seven and eight with New England, lost his job to Mac Jones. I, I mean it's about Cam. When his body gave out on him, his game gave up on him, and his body gave out on him because he was for a bit in time there, the worst officiated professional athlete, maybe across all sports. The physical nature of his game was almost held against him. And he it, linebackers and DNs took shots on him in the open field that simply would not be allowed on any running quarterback. Jalen Hurts is not allowed to be hit the way that Cam Newton got hit like four or five times every game he played. He was a beast. He was awesome. I mean, he really was for a minute there. But 
but don't call us, don't don't use a pejorative like game manager and right. and, and like non-football people like my wife's like well isn't he managing the game i mean isn't it a compliment no it's a it's a slight it's meant as a slight it means that the quarterback um lacks top end ability whether it's confidence or arm strength or whatever um and that the team doesn't really trust him long term anyway brock purdy was asked yesterday is he does he consider himself a game manager and he hated the question absolutely hated it wanted no part of it he says i don't know man he says i don't want to comment on that like i said i'm playing quarterback trying to win games we'll see at the end of all of it in other words, when I win this freaking Super Bowl, you guys will shut the hell up about this. <laughs> you know, that's really what he when he says, "Hey, we'll see at the end of all of it." Right. I, that's his way of saying, "I'll get back to you." Yeah, you know, stay tuned. stay tuned. There's there's you know, good stuff is coming. Right. Stop, but, stop um, trying to give me a grade. I haven't even taken my final exam yet. You know, but it's, I mean, it's not. He's not just a guy. I mean, Shanahan could speak to it better than anybody. I mean, he's not just a product of this system. He, this is a guy who makes plays off schedule. He can improvise. He makes plenty of plays outside of structure. Um, you know, whatever. And then, then to try to further your argument and grow and throw Tom Brady. So Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. And Jared Goff, who's been to a Super Bowl, and Dak Prescott, who may win the MVP, and Brock Purdy, who is going to win the MVP or be runner-up and is putting up unbelievable statistics in his first two years. These guys are all game managers, but you're a game changer when you when you had three winning seasons out of, what, 14 or something like that? Or 10 years in the league, you had three winning years. But you're you're a game changer. One of the were, same you a game, were you a game changer when you didn't fall on the fumble uh, at your feet in the Super Bowl with everything on the line? To me, that was kind of defining. One of the single greatest phone calls I've ever had as a host of Sports Phone so many years ago was after a decent Alex Smith game. And Alex Smith, if we had to go to the football dictionary to look up the, the picture of game manager, Alex Smith might fit that billing better than anyone, right? Alex Smith was pretty good. He had talent. He had physical ability, but he was shy to make the big, bold move that might win a game in the name of I don't want to make a mistake, and maybe Harbaugh coached that into him. I don't know, but um, Alex Smith had a really good game. It might have been that Buffalo game that always gets referenced as like, you know, a, a statistical anomaly game for the Niners because you had Alex Smith going for over 300. He had two receivers going for over like 150 yards while Frank Gore went over 100 yards. So it's a game against Buffalo back in like 2012 that gets referenced an awful lot against, you know, other historical and scoring Niner production games. So it might have even been that game, Larry. And somebody called in and they said, look, tonight's the night where Alex Smith got promoted from game manager to regional game manager. And <laughs> that's all you need to know about the phrase game manager. You know, it, it is. It is a negative connotation when you attach it to a quarterback, but at the same time, it's also a key element of becoming a good quarterback you know, game manager is essentially the word fundamentals with the worst agent, right? Game manager is the same thing as saying this guy's fundamentally sound, but it just doesn't have as good an agent because a fundamentally sound compliment sounds like a compliment where in football you say someone's a game manager. It's no longer a compliment. So 
I mean, I don't know. I'm just it's also a way of just saying, hey, look, you can call you can run the plays that they're called for you and you can throw it to the weapons that you have. But if it ever goes south on you, um, you're in Dutch instantly. Yeah, you 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 can't improvise. You can't go off script. Uh, you can't you don't have that kind of talent. Again, Brock but, doesn't fit any of that because we've seen right. him do that. No, there's there is nobody in sports basically taking whatever talking point that was used against him today and literally having like a slice of let me show you how wrong you are about that when it comes to Brock Purdy. Well, he's dink and dunk. Well, averagey, he's actually averaging more air yards than any quarterback in football. So what else you got? Well, you know, it's it's all this uh, it's it's all this yards after the catch. Well, averaging, he's actually averaging less than Mahomes did last year. Um, what else you got? Well, yeah. it's now it's about well, you, you know, he can't escape the pocket and he can't. Well, actually, he's picked up like nine first downs with his feet already this year, and he gets out. Of, I mean, like, there's just the the well actually for him is it goes to infinity. Well, and it's, it's lazy to judge the book by the cover. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, we do thumbnails for these shows, but I wouldn't want you to judge the show based off the thumbnail. I Especially want you to check on it. I want you to check out the show. So we try to put a good thumbnail out there. Damon had one of himself in a throne this morning. Uh, actually, I did see your thumbnail. I mean, they're good. What is my no? So that that that's the banner on my channel. I I used the thumbnail. Did I did I not put the right thumbnail on this? Oh morning? no, maybe not. Maybe I'm I'm getting I'm confusing your banner with your thumbnail. Okay. But my point is just that the show's the show. You know, check out the show and tell me what you like. Don't look right. at the thumbnail and tell me that you like the show right. or I've didn't been like the show. shows in one way or another for the better part of 20 years. I've been making thumbnails for about six months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying as far as don't judge the book by the cover, read the book, read the book. Tell me right. what you think of it after. And um, but you know what? It's just I and I do get it. And, it, you know, let's be honest. Um, we all have done, if you know what jobs these people have, when you're talking about like, let's say the national people that are on ESPN, they're on, on Monday morning at 6am in the East, which is 3am in the West. They did not watch in its entirety, every game in the league. They may have watched the red zone. They may have watched highlights. If they're really conscientious, hard workers, they watched you know, some version, some, some significant highlight package on every game and analyze stats on every game and really thought about it, thought it through. But right. in reality, they probably watched one game and are going off highlights for the rest. Well, if we're being completely honest, there's right? not a lot of independent thought happening on any of those shows. It's a right. produced segment. It's a produced segment, and somebody's going to play the heel, and the other guy's going to play the hero, and somebody's knowingly walking into a position that they know is wrong, but it will stimulate debate, and that's what's going on there. That's what's going on. There's not a lot of independent thought based on what my eyes have seen me and what my gut tells me. Here's what I think. No, they're following pre-produced scripts. And But but my, my point is just, like, how much do they really – like, when Shannon Sharp was saying – you know, Brock Purdy's just throwing it short, and every and then everybody's running the you know the distance of the length of the field. Well, he made that point, and I'm sure somebody from ESPN said, "Hey, Shannon, by the way, here's the actual numbers, and here's some actual highlights, and that's actually not what's going on." So, what did he do in the next 24 to 48 to 72 hours? 
without really walking it back. He kind of walked it back. Right. And that's and and so you just got to remember that they're not seeing every aspect of of every game. They're not seeing it. They're not watching it as close as you are or as we are. Um, and so they're judging the book by the cover. And Brock Purdy is one of those guys that if you judge the book, a lot of times you can judge the book by the cover and you'll be OK because the cover matches the game. But then when it doesn't, you look bad. And that's that's what's happening here with Brock. A lot of people look at him and they say, wow, Shanahan. We know Shanahan's a great coach. Wow, Debo, Ayuk, uh, Kittle, man, we CMC. We know those guys are great weapons. Oh, we don't know much about Brock, and he's kind of a little bit on the smaller side. He must just be this, you know, kind of guy who's dumping it off in the flat and and roll, you know, but he's not. He's he's actually far, far more than that. So it's, it's why it's easy to underestimate Steph Curry. It's why with with four championships, another one. It's why with four championships, people still want to tell you what isn't happening with a guy who is clearly, you know, among the ten greatest players in the history of basketball, as as a winner, as a leader, as a scorer, as an evolutionary step in the sport, there might not be a more influential figure of his generation than Steph Curry. Um, but he he's not built like LeBron or Anthony Davis or or Kevin Durant, and so he gets left out of the who's the best playing right now, even though we know he's one of the best playing right now, he gets left out of the conversation because it's easy to judge that book by that cover. And that cover is not six, nine it's six, four. Well, and, and let's be honest. It's even a bigger debate than that. We are a culture that respects power. And if you're, if your game either in reality or by perception doesn't, isn't a power related game, it's not it's not fully appreciated. Uh, one of the greatest baseball players of our lifetime, no doubt in my mind, Ichiro Suzuki. Yet, if you say who's the greatest player of your lifetime on a baseball tonight set, oh, you're probably not going to hear Ichiro Suzuki. Right, his name know? won't come up. It should. This is why yeah. people. So I've always been a Mark Grace guy. Mark Grace was was not a powerful first baseman in an right. era where so much of your power came from pure hitter base. though. And but a gold glover. He could hit. And what'd you say? Gold glover, pure hitter. And lover, because he was known <laughs> to be that too. Mark was a, he was a great lover. guy, too. I, I actually had a chance to talk to Mark Grayson a couple yeah. of times. He was a really cool guy to Grace, talk he's to. a good guy. Absolutely, he was. So look, but man. yeah, we're we're based on power. It's like if you don't if you don't have a big power profile, then it's like you're gonna like now Steph is respected because now he's proven. Now he's got pelts on the wall. Um and eventually when Brock wins championships um, and the 49ers have won a couple Super Bowls, then he'll be respected. Oh, we got breaking NFL news, Larry. The Chargers have fired Brandon Staley and general manager Tom Telesco after the Raiders put, what, 64 on them last night? Yeah, 63. Okay. How about that? The Raiders got shut out last week and scored 63 this week. And it's funny, the Chargers hired Staley because of his success as the D coordinator with the Rams in 2020 when they had the best defense in the league and as far as points and yards allowed per game. And he just, and he had great defensive individual players, Khalil Mack, uh, Joey Bosa, Derwin James, I mean, Asante Samuel, and yet could never get it going. Never could get it going. I'll say, I'll say this too. I think this is one move that's justified and one move that isn't. 
Um, the getting rid of Brandon Staley totally justified. Yeah, I think Tom Telesco is one of the best young general managers in football. I really do. I mean, yeah, look I, at the look at the drafts. Look at his draft this year. Look at look at look at some of the moves that the Chargers made uh, this year. They have the a reason, lot of good players. Isn't the main reason why the Chargers are so frustrating is because their talent is much better than their performance level. So yeah, to me, it's it's a coaching issue, not a talent issue in in Los Angeles for the Chargers. And yeah, I, I don't think that Telesco should have been let go. But look, last night was a prime example on Amazon Prime uh, of of a team quitting and a team thinking about tea times and Aruba. I mean, that that that's as big of a we ain't playing this season no mo football statement as you'll see any team make that works you know herbert's out keenan's out i mean they get you know they're 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 not the same team right now but i mean i'll say this if i was jim harbaugh and i'm looking to jump back to the nfl this is the spot i want to go to it's los angeles big market there's now no gm or head coach you got you a got real a, quarterback to work with. You got a real good young quarterback. You've got a lot of weapons. I mean, Gerald Everett, Keenan Allen, uh, Quentin Johnson, um, you know, Mike Williams, uh, Austin Eckler on offense. And then, you know, there's a bunch of good defensive players there, too. I mean, uh, they really do have a lot of talent there. They're not that far away. The Chargers are the right five or six moves away from being a major contender in the AFC. But Brandon Staley. Bowl team this year, Larry. I did. I had Chargers Niners in the Super Bowl and um the Chargers are not not only not going to make the playoffs, they fire everybody, but Staley just kept going for it on fourth downs. Um he just he just just yeah, he just took that he took that aggressive nature of play calling like a little too far. <laughs> yeah. He did. He just, you know, and but I mean, that's. A, I mean, if I was a coach and I was looking for a gig, that I'd be running to the Chargers because I think they're set up to win. Larry, I've tried to. I, I got to try to get uh, fish tickets at uh, 10 a.m. So I got to hop and pull my full attention into Ticketmaster. Fish is playing the Sphere in Las Vegas, and uh, Daddy needs to be there, and he really can't afford scalper prices these days. So I need to be kissed on the forehead by the Ticketmaster gods this morning. So looking at you know the beginning of the ending of today's show we always like to look ahead at the week of football that's coming up and we need to remind everyone that this is one of those weeks in the NFL where your NFL not only got going Thursday night but you've got three games coming up on Saturday December 16th starting 10 a.m. west coast time Vikings Bengals eh Steelers Colts eh Browns or excuse me Broncos Lions That game is a little bit more interesting than it looks on its surface. The Lions obviously want to keep on keeping on and get to join the 10-win club in the NFC. The Broncos, meanwhile, are actually rounding into a team that could flirt with a playoff appearance and all of the Sean Payton, Russell Wilson jokes that we were telling in the first few weeks of this year. We're not telling nearly as many of them now. They're actually starting to play better football in Denver. So all of a sudden, a one seed for the 49ers is kind of attached to that game. If you're a Niner fan, you're a Bronco fan this weekend. 
Well, you know, there's a couple interesting games this weekend, I think, Damon. Um, that one sounds kind of interesting. I'm eager to see uh, Texans, Titans. I mean, the Texans, are are, are they going to be able – are they limping towards the finish line? Are they going to be a playoff team and heard from in the playoffs? And then what are the Dolphins going to do? You know, the Jets just played a real strong defensive game. The Dolphins laid an egg against the Titans. The Dolphins are at home against the Jets, and they're, they're really good defense. Are the Dolphins going to stand up and be that team that maybe gets through the AFC playoffs and winds up in Vegas in the Super Bowl? Are the Dolphins going to kind of drift away? They did. They looked really bad last week. They did. It's um, like they rem- you you removed Tyreek Hill from that offense, and it was a different thing. Yeah, and then I'm looking for Dallas and Buffalo. I mean, you know, da- Buffalo is hungry. Buffalo is a two and a half point favorite against Dallas at Rich at uh, in Highland Park and Highmark Park Stadium in Orchard Park, um, where you know it's probably going to be you know winter wonderland there. Um, so I'm eager to see Cowboys Bills and what that looks like this weekend. And I'll tell um, you another gots to have it game, Jacksonville Jaguars hosting the Ravens. So you get a little look ahead to the Niners Christmas day opponent, Sunday night football Ravens at Jaguars Ravens are 10 and three and looking maybe the class of the AFC. The Jaguars are at eight and five, Larry, and they need to be nine and five when this weekend's over if they want to go to the postseason. They really do. So Jaguars, they need this game, which makes that Sunday night game against Baltimore that much more interesting. We just saw the Rams give the Ravens a hell of a scare in Baltimore, and they needed a uh, the, the Ravens needed a a punt return in overtime to win that game. So. That's um, a big game. The Monday nighter Eagles Seahawks in Seattle. I mean, this is Seattle's last shot here, right? I mean, Seattle need, I mean, Seattle, are they going to start Gino? Are they going to start Locke? I mean, that one's going to be kind of an interesting one just from the standpoint. I thought Locke played pretty well, um, but Gino's their guy and he did have a week of rest. And I loved what I saw from Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet last week running the ball. And is it possible that the Eagles could lose again um, and make it three in a row? Niners, Cowboys, and Seahawks all put them down. It's only Philly by three on Monday night on the road in Seattle. That's going to be a good game. A lot of, lot of anti-fish coming in in the, uh, in the chat, Larry. People are making fun of my – here's the thing. Here's a nice well, it's, about- tell me what's the genius of fish. Cause I mean, I, they're kind of a grateful dead type band, right? They've been going for 40 years. The, the music, the, the, the lyrics are really weird. It's really corny. It was ba- the entire band is based around an acid trip in college that was taken by it's, it's, it's not for everyone. Here's the nice thing I can tell you about fish though. If you don't like fish, don't worry about it. They're never going to come looking for you. You have to go find them. They're not on your TV. They're not on your radio. It's, you don't need you don't need to worry about this band coming at you the way that like you know Call Me Maybe came at you and this is a song <laughs> I don't like and now it's just pounded down your throat. This is not if you if you want to avoid what was that little girl's name again? Uh, Carly Ray Jepsen. Carly Ray Jepsen. There you go. So look, this is definitely don't don't worry about it. Don't don't if you're if fish if you don't like fish, you pick the perfect band to not like. They'll never bother you. Not a day in your life. Spending any time hating fish is ridiculous. They'll never bother you. Are people hating on fish? Oh yeah, there's some. That's that's okay. It's okay. It's it's fine. It's fine. We're we're I'm good about that. 
Were I'm you a dead a, fan? Were you my roommate in college oh, was much. a huge Grateful Dead fan very and much. he used to travel with the dead. I saw the Grateful Dead 11 times before Jerry passed away and I've seen him about 11 more times since he's passed away. So Okay, so my roommate freshman year at Sac State um went to he was a graduate of Miramani High School and he was a big big Grateful Dead fan. This guy would go to a dead show on the weekends. He'd come back strung out on so many drugs that he would sit there in our dorm room making beaded necklaces. I swear to you till Thursday. Yeah, that's that's on brand Thursday <laughs> till Thursday. He's just sitting there in the corner of the room, putting these beaded necklaces together. I'm making some bracelets for the next show, bro. Well, I got <laughs> He's hanging tie dye tie dyed shirts off the ceiling. Uh, I mean, literally, Damon. I mean, this guy was strung out for like days, days. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 part of it. It's part of it. I used to uh, do some capital D drugs at at some concerts that I went to. I don't do those anymore. And and look, when they're playing at the Sphere, like if you told me Yanni was playing at the Sphere, I'd go see Yanni at the Sphere. Like I just I'm dying to see that band, or I'm dying to see the Room. And you put one of my favorite bands in the room. I got to be there. And Fish is known for its extreme there, lighting rigs. It's one of the greatest lit concerts you're ever going to see. Are there um, people walking through the crowd like there used to be at the Dead Show? Because I did go to one Dead Show with my roommate, and it was a lot of people walking around going, doses, doses. Okay. Look at it this way. Doses, a lot of patchouli, smell, a lot of smell of patchouli. If you want it, you will find it at a Fish show. It's all there. It's all there. Doses, doses. Especially in Vegas, that's 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 that that's that's cocaine fish. In Las oh Vegas. my gosh! Oh my hey, we got a couple uh, supers we want to get to here. We got the uh, Moon Man says the real one, Damon Bruce and Larry lives uh, lives. Great show. Thank you. One hundred fire. Moon Man. There you go. And Killa Mig eight three one says, "Who would win a fight between Dre Greenlaw and Draymond Green?" Oh, Dre Greenlaw would kill Draymond. <laughs> yeah, just uh, I think that would be a three. He'd give him the three piece spicy, <laughs> uh, and that would be it. It would be good night. It would be just, a quick good night. Um, by the way, normally, so the rest of the day, I just want to get people planned for the rest of the day. I don't, and also you can, you know, give us what you got going the rest of the day. Normally at 1045 to 1145, I have Chase Sr. on, uh, from Chat Sports and we talk about the Niners, but Chase has got a work party for chat. So I'm going at solo at 1045, uh, for one hour. So I'll be on from 1045 to 1145. And I'm just going to hit the three topics, of course, the Niners. Um, what's going on with Golden State and Draymond Green and um, and the Giants and what the Giants have done, and we'll take some phone calls. So that coming up at 1045. And then later on this afternoon, um, I'm going to be streaming later on this afternoon with the great Matt Barrows at 430. Matty B. So Matty B is one of my very, very, very favorite 49er people uh yes steven saunders he says will it be a call-in show yes i'll do a call-in show at 10 45 this morning but also uh maddie b at 4 30 larry um, we're gonna have dueling call-in shows i gotta i it's sports phone friday on damon okay. Bruce plus there we you got go. the, i got that going on at 11 and it's going to be a little bit of a shorter show because i can tell you that the duchess has officially landed she got here last night so my mom is in town uh, I'm going to take her out to lunch a little bit later on today. So um, I will ask everyone to 
Uh, please like and subscribe to everything that Larry and I are doing. We work great together. We work great independently. And yesterday, I had FP Santangelo come in studio or in my house here. It's not even a studio. It's my house. Uh, he came in Rumpus Room. And uh, and you had and, him over. Yes, had him over. We spent in about studio. an hour together. And uh, just had a great conversation with FP. I would suggest if anyone is interested in what he's up to, what's happening in radio, what his future looks like. We talk a lot of giants as well. That is all waiting for you. Uh, in, in, in you know, just just open up the video from yesterday. So great, great interview and conversation. It's not even an interview. It's a, it's a conversation with FP. And then I know the always talented, very young and fresh-faced Kevin Kruger is going to be whacking up today's Wake Up with Damon and Larry. So if you missed something, the highlight reel will be out a little bit later on. And um, yesterday was the most watched day in the history of my channel, and we didn't even put out very much yesterday. So more people are finding it, more people are tuning in, more people are liking it. The algorithm is kissing me on the forehead lately, and I thank all of my subscribers, Larry, all of your subscribers who have come over to support me. It means an awful lot. So thank you so very, very much to everyone. And um, we'll just we'll we'll wrap up with this, Larry. I'm excited for your shows today. There's no doubt about it. But you know, I'm also not- I got the watch party. I want to make sure. Oh, I might, well, wanna- tell me about well, peanut pickle. <laughs> Uh, we, we, <laughs> we'll get to Ralph in just a second, but a Sunday watch party at pig and pickle. Join us in court Madera. I'll be there from really noon on. We're going to watch the Niners and the Cardinals. We'll do the post game show from, uh, from court Madera. They're at three, four, one court Madera town center. Stop by, have some barbecue, have a beer, do some Christmas shopping. Thanks to everybody that launched our channel over 31,000 subs last night. Uh, we're now at 31,048. Thank you to everybody for that. And if you have time on Sunday and you're just watching the Niners and you want to you wanna hang out and have some barbecue and and uh, hang out for the show, come by uh, Pig and a Pickle in Corte Madera. We'll be there all afternoon watching the Niners, watching the Cardinals, drinking some beer, having some barbecue, and hopefully chatting it up with you guys. So join us on Sunday. I love good barbecue. I certainly like it more than, you know, any kind of jam band. I've never been a, I've never been a drug guy. I know I don't come across as that. I'm not that, uh, Ralph, did you ever imbibe at any point in time in your younger <laughs> There you go, Trent. You're always trying to get me in trouble. I told Tom, I told Tate, I look, as soon as I get in there with Trent, he's going to ask me questions. I don't want to answer. There's things that, there's areas I want to talk to. Now I'm a Renaissance man. I'm very, very cultured. I've been to a lot of things. I've read many books. Leather-bound books. I knew you were going to take me to areas I didn't want to go, Trent. You're always like that. I knew that about you. I told Tom. I told Tate. I I, I had some garlic fries this morning, and I thought, you know, Trent's going to say, you know, he wants to take me to certain areas, and there's just certain things that are off limits. You know, respect my boundaries. By the way, Ralph did a lot of drugs. <laughs> God bless that guy. <laughs> Ralph's life. You know what? It's fun. You know, you remember Bruce McGowan? Bruce McGowan. Remember him? Of course. You Big mean, Bruce McGowan. Oh, oh, hey, 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 Larry. Larry. Bruce McGowan sitting in the front row doing a Richard Nixon impression to himself for three hours of a baseball game was it was an era. You had to be there for it or you, you missed it. But um, uh, it, Bruce would share old Ralph stories with me that Ralph would have never told anyone himself that were just incredible. So, (laughs) 
Craig, can, can you possibly hook me up with your guy? I, I, you know, you know, I, I really want to get a wager down, and I just don't have a guy. I know you do have a guy. Well, Ralph, you know, my guy uh, pays, but my guy also collects. Uh, well, I, ooh, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I, no I'm nervous. He's not going to come to Marin, is he? Would he, he wouldn't knock on my door, would he? Ralph, just make sure you, if you lose that you pay my guy. I know. I always pay. I've always paid my wages. I, I, what do you think? I welch on my bets? I don't welch. Come on. I told Tom. I told Dana. Nobody's going to. I'm never going to welch. I promise. Uh, can I just get the guy's number, Craig? Come on, can I? I'll, I'll give you his number, Ralph, but um, just make sure you don't stiff my guy because I'll hear about it. Oh, Craig, come on. I wouldn't do that to you. I, I, come on. You know me. I go to Amici's. I would never do that. I, I, I mean, like to me, that's like a walk-off shot. You, just, you <laughs> called your own home run. You hit it. Just, just jog around the bases and bring it on home. No, thank you to everyone. Like and subscribe on your way out uh, to both of our channels. Thank you so much for being part of the growth of both of our channels. Uh, Larry's over thirty thousand. I'm over fourteen now, and and things are moving in a really good direction to the point where the 49ers even asked us hey, please take down our logo because you guys are outperforming the flagship station that we're doing huge business with, and that's embarrassing. So if you could call it something else, that'd be great. We, because we're such nice guys, we, of course, complied. And so Niners Wake Up is what we're going with until the end of football season when this show could just become straight up wake up with Damon and Larry, and there is much more coming. So keep on watching this space. More to come down the road larry merry christmas buddy merry christmas thanks to everybody for supporting the channel my channel damon's channel if you haven't hit like and subscribe please do uh check out damon the rest of the today check out me the rest of the day join me on sunday at at pig and a pickle in Corte madera we're gonna try and make and it up there we're gonna try and make it up there yeah never met a man i've been scared of careful you won't get exactly what you asked for careful whatever you bring me get in handled i answer to no one